I'm Charlie Taylor. I'm Ben Carter. I run hip hop by the numbers on Twitter. I use hip hop statistics to highlight the bigger picture. And I'm Drew to the fifth element. Where I highlight the fifth element of hip hop, which is knowledge. A one, two, three. It's Charlie and Benny. You can not it up. Best alliance in hip hop. Why? Yeah, I needed more syllables, but uh, I, I got it. <laughs> this is as you go with it, you're just like, oh, this won't work syllable-wise. That's fine. I stretched it. I uh, saw that Joey asked on t- Twitter yesterday what the best hip-hop duo album of all time is, or hip-hop collab album, and I just went in there immediately to say Black Star, and he'd already replied with Black Star. I'm like, oh, okay, you're on it, Joey. You know what you're talking about. Yeah pretty much the case i think that should be um what's the word uh unanimous yeah unanimous mm. locked it in here on dr hi ben how's your week been what have you been listening i uh, i spent yesterday helping my partner move which was very intense there's a lot of uh a lot of heavy lifting um and i dropped my phone last week and i cracked the screen man it was really disappointing because i've got i bought an s9 it's the first phone i ever bought new and I said, this phone's going to last five years. And it lasted three. So I'm going over to my friend's house <laughs> to pick up another phone today because I refuse to buy a, f- a phone brand new. Everyone has phones sitting around at home, right? I'm, I'm just going to use them up. I'm just going to keep using them up forever. I'm not buying another new phone. So that's my resolution. Join the dumb phone revolution. Get, yeah. Get, 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 get the old 3310, bring it back. Oh fuck, man. No, I, need a, I need to post up my little pictures on Instagram, man. I need a, I need a smartphone. So, let's talk about what I listened to this week. The first one is Wet Leg by Wet Leg. Now, Napoleon Dynamite was the pinnacle of cool when I was in school because it was so embarrassingly overt. It couldn't be anything but authentic. It wasn't cynical. It wasn't an attempt to dupe viewers or rort systems. And I think that authenticity when expressing angst sometimes is even more important than the angst itself. And I genuinely think... Wet leg could never, ever get away with lines like, is your muffin budded? Would you like us to assign someone to buddy your muffin if they weren't authentic? And there have been no tramp stamp style reveals of industry planting thus far. So you can listen to and enjoy wet leg with a fully clean conscience as I have been doing for the last three days. As they move through their influences, Big Faith, uh, The Chats, Beastie Boys, uh, their unique brand of off-handed, like they have this apathy, this off-handed apathy. It mixes beautifully with a fierce energy that underpins tracks like I Don't Want to Go Out and Oh No. And if you pair those tracks with the centerpiece of their album, Shays Long, uh, chaos totally ensues because Wet Leg hardly seem happy limiting their purview to one element of indie rock. The raw edge of Sleaford Mods, the jaded worldview of Damon Albarn, the viciousness of Hole, we get some Chelsea Wolf in there, some White Stripes. It's a genuine smorgasbord of sound. And, you know, it does falter as it progresses. Uh, warm musings on teenage love and infatuation begin wearing pretty thin towards the end of the record. But honestly, it's totally worth listening to all the way through just to catch the random one-liners. You say you think about me when you're fucking her. If I thought you were cool, we would have hung out more in school. 
When I think about what you've become, I feel sorry for your mum. That one hit me hard the other day. I was just sitting, just uh, I was packing some boxes and that just came on. I'm like, oh, that's, that's brutal. That's some viciousness right there. And, you know, Shay's Long is the best song on the album. It's a great fucking song, man. It's really good. But the whole album is fun. I really enjoyed it. It's a little bit surface level, but, you know, that's what it is. Uh, I enjoyed it a lot. Swedish House Mafia, Paradise Again. Man, Swedish House I'm so thankful Mafia. for the brave, bravery this, this trio showed on this record. And they've, they've always shown this, man. You know, they could have given us a full frontal lobotomy and, and plunged the chain smokers' depths. You know, I want something just like this. How, how and then the bros in the how crowd dare. are like, yeah, I want something just like this too. Like, but they, that, or they, how, they, how dare you, how dare you think in Swedish House Mafia can go that long? No, man. Well, I mean, they could have, they could have done a Calvin Harris and they could have tried to pretend they were still cool whilst just, I don't know, plying us with bubblegum vaporizer. Like, you know, just, you know, with, with Chris Martin <laughs> at a fucking trampoline scene. You know what Calvin Harris did? Like, he did acceptable in the 80s. He doesn't need to do anything other than that. Boy, it, we get something from Swedish House Mafia, which is is something genuine. It's like his third best era, okay. What acceptable in the eighties? You reckon? That's like his third best What's era, his bro. What's best era? Like third best album. Daft Punk is playing eighteen in months. My house, my house. That's his best. Yeah, that's a good one as well. Say like eighteen months era was like the best Calvin Harris. You reckon? Era, yeah, you know. Yeah, Calvin Harris retrospective. I'm, I'm not alone. We should. Hip hop adjacent coming to you. Yeah. You um, Just lock that. Lock that in. Oh, you bring acceptable in the eighties and the album. I forget what the name is. I don't know if it's exactly the actual album. I think that's the name. And of I'll the bring album. eighteen months. Is it okay? Good. Bring that one, and I'll bring the other. I'll bring a uh, eighteen months. All right, we can discuss it. That'd be interesting. Well, we get. And there's also the one in the middle. It's like got. I'm not alone. What was his? For the weekend what was his last bang, one? Bangers. Funk bounces volume one. Funk, yeah, funk wave bounces volume there one. Was, something like that. There yeah, was some. It was okay. It had slide on it. So slide. It was a banger, but, uh, yeah. There was another track on yeah, it that was a summer banger. banger. Uh, yeah, there's. Yeah, I think was it like? Did they have like Doja Cat take Katy Perry on there or something like that? Something yeah, there like was one with Katy Perry. I think. Nah, it was a good yeah, album. I want volume two. Was that volume one or two? It was okay. Volume, volume one. one. All right. Well. Anyway, yeah. Swedish House Mafia, they, they did not go down that route. Uh, the instrumental stretches on here are immense. You know, Paradise Again, Mafia is a great song. Calling on home, can you feel it? And they create these long stretches of highway between the twisty stuff. You know, like The weekend delivers this really haunting performance. ASAP Rocky drops what might be his best performance, in my view, since 2018. Uh, Ty Dolla Sign and 070 Shake need a fucking collab album, man, because their track here is genuinely stra- staggering. It's this incredible song. Somehow, Swedish House Mafia makes Sting bounce. I saw Sting on the track list. I'm like, what's going to happen here? And it's good. You know, they uh, they remixed Damn. Roxanne, and uh, it, was, it was fucking good. I never thought that I would be saying that, but you know. Anyway, the bag the bag for house artists comes via these epic festivals they get booked for. You know, that's where their money comes from, and obviously, demand for that comes via the anthems. And the anthems come mm-hmm. via anthem makers like The Weeknd, Chris Martin, Rihanna, Beyonce. But instead of just opening the roller decks, this is their comeback after nine years. You know, they stayed true to the ethos of each individual member. 
And I love this about the house community. You know, Dead Mouse does this consistently as well. Puts out quality music, powerful music. You know, bangers that don't rely on tropical house and garbage chain smokers riffs to chart. And they could do it. And that's what also what I love about it. They could easily do that, but they just choose not to do it. And this is a genuine progressive house album, which is about as high a praise as I could possibly give it. Uh, then we get T Grizzly, Half T, Half Beast. Look, T Grizzly could tell me that water is hurting my health and I'd fucking stop drinking it. I just love T Grizzly. I can't get enough T Grizzly's. The past eight projects, but especially his last two, The Smartest and Built for Whatever, he's ingratiated himself so smoothly through how descriptive he is when he talks you know he sits down and has like a deep emotional conversation with his audience he tells them not only his successes and his his positives and his virtues he talks about his fears and his insecurities and his faults and he celebrates his triumphs and the storytelling on this remains just close to peerless on robbery part three it actually reminded me a lot of testify by common except it was the other way around. And if you've heard both songs, you'll know what I mean when I say that. Brilliant ending. I'm not a, it, like a, a pretty dark ending too. Like I mean, just incredible song. I'm not the biggest fan of when he sings. Uh, I don't know. Like He's he's kind of slipped in and, in and out of it more in the past 12 months. And I'd wager at least the fifth of this record is singing. I don't think it's that bad. I mean, your grave, your grave is mostly singing, and it's pretty deep. It's a pretty deep song. It's really only oh yeah, I didn't enjoy. It. But even that track, I'm sure I learned to love. I just love his evolution and his growth. You know, I feel like with every album, T Grizzly updates his sound slightly, keeping his content consistent. But he experiments with flows and cadences and beats, and it's a bit of a slow burn. He's not lurching from one influence to the next. But that's smart, I think. In this realm, switching up too quickly can lose you that entire fan base, that really strong core fan base very quickly. But slipping in a few experimental tracks and checking the temperature makes real perfect sense. And as I say, man, I just fucking love T. Grizzly. There isn't anyone saying the things he's saying the way he says them. I feel similarly about Benny. Uh, I just think he's an incredible MC. So that was me, Charlie. What about yourself this week? Um, yeah, so, uh, firstly, first of all, um, bone a pick with you. Oh. Um, you need to start rewording that shit, bro. Look, man. Don't say it's the it worst week or nothing like week. that. It's the worst week for, for, main, for mainstream shit, bro. But you listen to the shit general, I got here, man. right here. And this was probably, like, one of my best weeks this year. Like, oh, I haven't even, I haven't even got, I've, I've missed out four this, this week for just, just the fact that I couldn't. Well, for one thing, we're recording. Um, uh, we're recording. Uh, what's the word? Early. Uh, a day before we usually do. Um, yeah, we're a day early before we usually do. So, um, you know, that leaves out twenty four hours of listening. But even when I said, "Bruv," I got in some decent stuff right here. So, let me start off with the uh, Jazz Kaiser. I'm um, say Kaiser, but it's K A Y S E R. Uh, Jazz Five uh, with the number five I V E. Um, little EP, uh, I think it's like twenty seven minutes. Um, but the first track is so is so good. This is this is the kind of jazz I like, bro. This is the kind of jazz I like. It's got this energy to it, but it's not like loud. It's not just throwing instruments in your face, right? And the, you know how some people kind of I think I think especially when they go to a live show or whatever, they feel kind of like uh uh, uh kind of d- d- you know just sensory overload right you can get that sometimes but darkness in the light is just so perfect um absolutely banger uh just uh just got these bongos going on the back jazz does these amazing drums she's a she's a drummer um uh, has done um 
drum work, uh, live drum work for like a uh, like the George Smith, and uh, see if I can get some more names out here. Uh, yeah, Numbaya Garcia, Ashley Henry, Alpha Miss, Poppy Ajuda. So she's she's a uh, she's she's uh, she's she's done a bit, and uh, yeah, this EP is just absolutely top tier. Um, really solid EP. Um, definitely on the long list, uh, just by, just for darkness, darkness in the light, regardless. Uh, but the rest of the whole thing's 24 minutes, five songs. Uh, shout to Jazz on that one, absolute tunage all over the spot. Uh, Vacation and Mensing, uh, are Thelonious Monks, uh, little EP again. Is the 11 minutes, four songs, and uh, it's just really, it's really breezy. I really like the mix going on here. Um, really old school kind of, uh, uh, old school beats, but you know, with a little modern twist, I'd say, um, in some ways, and uh, yeah, just some really solid lyrics uh, throughout. Uh, got Lexi Treble, uh, T Peters on uh, some on some of these tracks as well. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's a really nice, um, really solid EP. Definitely a nice little team up there. Uh, definitely would be into for, uh, into uh, more of those potentially. Uh, Half Penny uh, chapter. So for the rare. The rare duo of uh, just a, a, a just a rare man woman duo um, in my mind. The uh, uh, lead singer Rosalind, uh, rapper uh, Sparks, and uh, yeah, this is just absolutely. This is some great hip hop jazz fusion. Um, the live instrumentation is just so so nice throughout. Um, Sparks has this interesting. Uh, he, he uses his voice in an interesting way. He can, you know, go deep with it, go deep with it. Um, but he can also brighten up a bit and just change tones. It's really interesting. And uh, and uh, Rosalind gives me kind of like a kind of like a George Smith type kind type type of vibe in 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 her in her performance. Um, but overall, just make, makes a really solid album. Uh, this is thirty five minutes, nine songs. Um. Shout to like uh, Last Orders, much better. It's really nice. Uh, can't feel the floor. Even with that said, like some of the tracks, like one, I think uh, which one was it? Uh, I think much better was the track that it kind of dipped into like a drum and bass track all of a sudden at the, near the end. Really nice, really like that. Can't feel the floor was uh, was different as well. Uh, really interesting uh, beat on that one. Yeah, I just I'm just really into this. I'm really into this uh, album. I remember following them. Just it was one of those follows that you know I just I heard the one song and I was just like slap follow and just move on. And uh, really nice surprise uh, for this one. Uh, bars bump uh, pick me up. Another EP uh, got uh, Gunner, J Cole, TJ, Ari Lennox uh, all over this as well. Uh, it's just under 12 minutes, four tracks. Um, I'll, I'll take the others with Ari Lennox and uh, leave the rest, to be honest. That's just me. Um, but that's kind of just because I'm not really into the, the production going on. Um, it's kind of just like your modern your modern trap beat, right? And I'm just kind of over it already. Um, not not even already. It's been, what, 10 years, so I'm, I'm, I'm over it. But um, the others with Ari Lennox is just, mm, yeah, yeah, inject that shit. Uh, Richard Spavum, another drummer, actually another jazz drummer, uh, Spirit Beats. Um, we've got Jordan Riquet and Barney Artist on these tracks as well. Uh, nice and long, four tracks, 20 minutes, real long tracks, really sit with you nicely. Uh, Spaven's just got these, just, oh, I, don't, I, don't, I can't explain drumming, but like, it's just really, he's just got this frenetic energy with it, right? Nice, fast paced, right? Uh, with, with the actual hits themselves, but the ho- the rest of the track and the rest of production around him just uh, has this calming essence to it, to it. Um, so you feel like something's going to happen and it's kind of just 
leads you in and leads you in. It's just really nice. And uh, Jordan McKay and Barney Ice are just a top tier, of course, um, in what they do. Standard procedure. Uh, <clears throat> polyester the same. Um, in, in Us We Trust side B, um, let's just say I'm definitely listening to side A next week. <laughs> so um, that's going to be a standard procedure listen right there. Um, but yeah, Ben shout me, shout me this uh, as I woke up today. I gave it a spin. Tasty, tasty West Coast production. But also kind of got this um kind of got this old school funk feel as well. And that's kind of why West Coast, I feel you know, classic West Coast is so good because it has that classic feel to it, to it. And I love that. Um, but yeah, this is super, super LA, a little bit of Southern feel about it, a little bit of, like Texas feel about it. You know, I kind of feel like, I don't know, like Bun B should be on one of these as well in some, excuse me, in some fashion. I just kind of get that feel to it, to it. But regardless of that, it's just absolutely, absolutely, uh, absolutely superb um, piece of piece of work right there. Shout out to Polyester the Saint. Expect the tag next week as well. Uh, Vic Spencer and Doc mm, the Mindbender still here. Shout out to yeah, shout out to uh, friend of Five East, Vic Spencer, uh, coming through with another one, first one of the year, <laughs> probably one of many. Um, but yeah, this is, I love the production on here. Dog the Mindbender just goes off with this production, bro. Off with it. Like it is so dynamic. Uh, get a couple of beat changes here and there. Um, they all bleeds together so nicely. It's such a wonderful listen. Definitely a very replayable listen. Um, and Vic Spencer just does Vic Spencer tings. You know what I mean? Just that. Um, just that super confident uh, rapping. Uh, just uh, you know, unique one of one lyrics. Never gonna get it from somebody else. Uh, it's only a true one of one. Uh, Vic Spencer is obviously on on the mic, and yeah, man, you got the Espesh Planet Asia smooth as well, and uh, some and oh no, actually, um, uh, on the features as well. So you know, you get a good, you get a great mix throughout throughout this whole project. It's, there's there is nothing. It's it's always different. It always comes out different. Uh, the production is just really unique. I really appreciate that. Um, so shout out to both of them on that one. And lastly, uh, the miseducation of the Insta generation. Um, so this is basically a compilation album some way or a various artist album, one of those things. Um, headed up by uh, Isata Sheriff um, of uh, Doctored Sound it is her own independent label. And she's come through to bring, uh, to basically just highlight um, four amazing artists on the come up. Uh, Mar- Mercy's Cartel uh, with the amazing just the uh, R&B flair she has. Uh, Denier, spelt D-E-N-Y-H-E-R, with kind of like an old school Sims uh, kind of taste towards her rapping. I'm really liking what what she's got. Uh, Samson, uh, Beast Rapper, and also SB, as as we've uh, talked about previously with her EP a couple uh, months ago in January. Um, But yeah, this is all from Isata Sheriff and executive produced by her, her own label, and just brought these four people out to bring out some really decent work. Ten tracks, thirty-eight minutes, um, and it's just, it's just freaking good, man. This is what I, this is what I seek. This is the shit I seek, man. That independent work, bringing other people on, bringing them up, and giving them a stage to just uh, do their things. And they all knock it out of the park with their specific tracks. Uh, SB on like nobody's fool, for example. Really good stuff on there. And yeah, man, uh, and Denier on, uh, I think, Hip Bone, I really liked as well. Church in the Streets, just all over, man, all over, really solid work. Um, and shout out to Asata Sheriff, I'm going to tag her on this. Um, but yeah, man, absolutely, this is the shit I look for. This is the shit I look for. It's independent, it's bringing people on, and uh, overall just 
solid collaboration all around. Um, so shout out to everyone involved. And with that said, we shall hop in to our uh, topic for this episode. Um, and uh, <laughs> so, as uh, you probably know, if you've been living on, if, unless you've been living on rock for a bit, um, there is word of a new finally the second black star album is coming out it's coming out next month in the start of may um only on luminary uh, which is for those that don't know is a podcasting platform um and though and talib and yasin actually have their own podcast already um i forget the name of it but they do with dave Chappelle. um so i'm assuming they're going to drop it via that feed um, so yeah, you're gonna have if you want to spin it, whenever you want to spin it. Um, after it comes out, uh, it'll most likely be on Luminary. But we thought instead of waiting until that drops, and one of us maybe listen to it, maybe not, who knows? Uh, we decided to go back and, uh, in anticipation of the moment, look back at the first album. Um, just why it's so great, and uh, I'm sh- I'm sure Ben has some background on it, of course. Uh, so with that said, Ben, what have you got for us for this app? Yeah, I'm just going to say this is the greatest duo album of all time. You know, I think that the layers existing within the story and the music of this record, <laughs> they just rival just about anything put out. Uh, it changed the dynamic of hip-hop forever. But even further than that, it's insanely listenable. It's stacked with essential messaging, some of the best lyricism and storytelling you're ever likely to hear, deep technical ability, iconic production. You know, as we move through this episode... I really want to impress upon people how groundbreaking this album was and still is and how influential it became. Now, if we look at Yasin Bey, and I'm going to uh, refer to him as Yasin Bey, occasionally, I will probably say most. I don't know why that I just didn't get rid of those. I just don't want to, like, I've done this before with most and Yasin Bey, and I've called him most deaf, and I feel kind of crappy about doing it later. Like, like his name is Yasin Bey, so I'm just, I'm going to refer to him as Yasin Bey. But whilst Talib and Kuali and, and Most Def were together, he was Most Def. And that's the name of the. By the way, this is not a self-titled album. I want to get on my high horse and, and soapbox about this. <laughs> Most Def and Talib Kuali are Black Star. That's not self-titled. If the name of the group is Black Star and the album's called Black Star, that's self-titled. Okay? Gosh, man. Anyway. So let's look how they came together because both were signed to Raucous in the late 90s, uh, one of the most iconic hip-hop labels in history. I actually remember buying Raucous mixtapes when I was 15, listening to Yassine, Bey, Farrah Monch, Big L, Talib, Cool G Rap. You know, as much as I fucking hate Rupert Murdoch, and you all should hate him too, uh, it was his son James Murdoch who financed the, uh, fi- sorry, financially backed the label. And they went about working with everyone from Eminem to Company Flow. And Talib and Yassin Bey were on the precipice of something already as solo artists. You know, Yassin had been working with Dilar Soul, one of his biggest influences. And we got his debut single, uh, Universal Magnetic, in 1997. Talib's come up was a little bit different. He met legendary rapper and producer High Tech in Cincinnati. But at this stage, High Tech was not legendary. You know, he was working with a group called Mood, but he was very underground at this point. It was his chemistry with Talib Kweli that most agreed was where the money lay. You know, that was that was the thing, man. That that was that was where they locked in. And both Yasin Bey and Talib Kweli were definitely building their buzz organically, mainly through the Lyricist Lounge. Uh, the Lyricist Lounge is fascinating. We actually talked about it during one of our Bites episodes. I'll talk about it in a second too, with, with regards to backpack rap. 
but it was you know street ciphers local collaborations talib was building his name through these these means and talib was introduced to raucous co-founder jarrett meyer through fuji's affiliate john forte and kwali said during his people's party interview that was a great interview he did with lp uh because they were both on raucous at one point so kwali said this yep. he said I remember Jarrett and Brian, these two white guys from Brown University, they came to the hood. They came to Crown Heights and John Forte was there. Everyone was rhyming their ass off. Everyone had a blunt and a 40. Everybody was trying to get a record deal rhyming their ass off. At this point, I don't even think that they had y'all yet. And he's talking about, uh, I think, Company Flow, LP. I remember John Forte being like, why aren't you rapping? I'm like, this indie label shit, I'm trying to get to a major. A short two years later, now my girl is pregnant. Now I've lost my job. Yassine Bey comes to me. He's like, yo, I think I'm going to do a single with these raucous dudes. Now, that will become very important in a couple of uh, a couple of paragraphs. But Yassine and, and Talib already had an, a relationship established prior to raucous. They ran into each other often in Washington Square and the Lyricist Lounge. And, you know, I was talking about the backpack thing now. Like, we actually got lit up in our DMs because I think we were talking about Kanye and backpack rap or something like that. And this person said, no, man, backpack rap started in... Oh, yeah. You remember that? Uh-huh. Yeah, I remember that. Even. That was years ago now. And, and someone said to us that uh, it started in the late 80s, mainly with the native tongues. And it kind of bubbled away, you know, in the underground until the late 90s until really Blackstar, honestly. Um, Yassine Bey uh, was the one who kind of pushed it to the forefront with Kuali. And, you know, it's just socially conscious music and it starts in ciphers, you know, people just bouncing off each other's in ciphers. And that's where Yassine and Talib met each other. And Talib said that everyone knew Yassine Bey because he was actually getting acting roles in commercials on TV. On the Combat Jack show, Talib recalls scrounging for money to buy cheeseburgers from McDonald's. And Yassine Bey coming through with his acting checks and buying everyone burgers. And Kwali said when they would cipher, Yassine Bey would just stand above. He said he called him his favorite rapper of all time. Uh, at the time, he said there was no one better than, than Yassine. And actually, Yassine echoed that about Talib. So this was actually pre-most deaf. Uh, Yassine Bey was named Dante Bizet. Now, Yassine signed a raucous. It was a hardly a surprising acquisition. You know, the label set itself up as being as indie as indie gets. And despite his burgeoning acting career, he was still deeply socially conscious and supremely talented. Sean J. Period, who produced the Universal Magnetic, told uh, Beat Conductors that Raucous pursued Yassine Bey, like really pursued him. And when he got over there, they commissioned that Universal Magnetic for use on their own compilation. So if we look at the narrative so far, we have Talib and Yassine Bey knowing each other from Lyricist Land and Park Ciphers. Yassine Bey is Dante Bizet. Uh, signed a raucous talib searching for a major label deal turning raucous down in the mid 90s because they weren't large enough think about that and that that's that's a little undertone in this whole episode i'll talk about it in a second but you know anyway that's it's very interesting so you know yasin convinces talib to give raucous another chance he tells him that he was signed and had actually been paid some money to drop some music and it also must be noted in an interview in the year 2000 yasin bay called talib a monster he called him a monster MC and said that their relationship grew from live performance, rocking stages together at Lyricist Lounge and basically any cipher they found themselves in. So who does Yassine Bey go to first when he signs to Raucous? He goes to Talib. And obviously this piqued Talib's curiosity and he said to Combat Jack, Jared and Brian got money, so I went to go see them. I played them my, my, my EP and they liked it. 
But then they heard Fortified Live when I was trying to skip past it because they didn't want to play that for them. I was proud. You need to hear me rap first. I want to stand on my own. Back then, it was a point of pride. Brian was like, we need to put that one out. I was like, nah, because now people are going to think that I'm using Yassine Bey for a crutch. Fortified Live, and he said, uh, most deaf, obviously. Fortified Live is a song recorded with a Reflection Eternal. And of course, Yassine Bey was on the track and already on the label. Kwali said that Raucus convinced him the best move for his career would be to drop this single, even though Talib firstly was like, I'm not signed to an independent label. And then secondly was like, I'm not going to come out in a duo or a collaborative fashion. I'm going to come out on my own. Anyway, Talib gets talked into a lot of things by record labels in this episode. It's just wild. So the forgotten member of this whole project is High Tech because Kwali and High Tech had known each other for years and they had a strong collaborative relationship. High Tech said in interviews he was a pure technician and a craftsman and would spend hundreds of dollars on a record just to take a single sound from it and sample it. He was absolutely obsessed with sampling, but also in agreement with Talib's assessment in the late 90s that hip-hop was beginning to die, or at least a part of it was. You know, on Too Late, the sixth track off their self-titled project, Kwali Raps, nowadays rap artists coming half-hearted, commercial like pop or underground like black markets, where were you the day hip-hop died? Is it too early to mourn? Is it too late to ride? And I want to give you one quote from Talib that, and I'll, I'll stop here and let Charlie speak in a second. Apologies for my uh, long monologue here, but I think this quote perfectly explains every layer I'm talking about when we speak about the Black Star album. He told an interviewer in the year 2000 during an interview with High Tech, and he says, my focus is showing that you can be aware of your environment showing that you can be a conscious, socially aware artist, showing you could care about your culture, you could care about your community, but you don't have to be outside what everyone else is thinking or doing to do that. You can coexist in the world of what everybody else is doing. And actually to think about your culture and be aware of your environment is real fly. The mind state of hip hop has died. And I think that that is fucking Black Star summed up in one quote. The whole, I think, I think uh, thinking about um, everything now in hindsight I think it's very interesting uh, because even when listening to this album and just thinking about the messages in it within it um, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, rhetoric that I feel like is still referenced by certain people to this day but it was kind of, um, you know, for, okay, I think some people see this um, album as like prophetic um, in in its messaging, and some people just uh, straight up just see it as you know a, a, just as a really good hip hop album. Um, so I think that's kind of I feel that's probably why um, this album and this and this uh, the mythical nature of Black Star is has been so enticing all these years <clears throat> because you can just you, you can just decide for yourself if you want to really go deep with it or just appreciate a really good album <laughs> you know what i mean and uh yeah it, it is it is uh i feel like the prophetic nature of it i think comes from like what you were talking about not purely from the music i get i, get, I would say but more about what they were doing at that time uh, I remember watching an episode of Hip Hop Evolution, and they did an episode on uh, ciphers, and they basically and one their main one of the main ones they played was uh, Mos and Talib and others in like the middle of Central Park just ciphering, 
Um, it's probably easy to find on YouTube if you want to find it. Um, but yeah, and even at that time, the, they they had to stop doing it in Central Park, and they had to stop doing it publicly actually because of uh, one Rudolph Giuliani. Funny enough, who was uh, then obviously mayor of New York, um, and you know, kind of just went, you know. Just tra- traditional, uh, you know, as you can imagine, you, you, you're scaring off the normal people. This is, you know, this uh, is, is what it is. Um, oh, can't have, can't have twelve blacks uh, rapping in the in the middle of Central Park. Can't do this. What, what are we? <laughs> I mean, so uh, they had to take it inside. Um, so yeah, I, f- I find I think that's kind of what this album gives as well. Um, not through its lyrics or anything, but kind of just in its essence, where it's just like. It's got that cipher flow when they do when you when you look at the lyrics themselves they they they're stacked in certain ways especially for something like astronomy as a track not to get into the album too deep but when you get into something like that they do it in small bits as well and it kind of feels like they're jacking the mic from each other it reminds me of that track by uh, Kano and Getz uh, off of Hoodies All Summer I forget the name of the track but you know the one where it's like they literally I think in the music video as well they literally you know, hold the mic like that, and then like, <laughs> and then just grab it back, and then hold it, and then grab it like that. So it it kind of gives me that essence as well. Um, so you could you can you can hear what I've just said and think that's all just bollocks, but um, that's kind of I guess how I see it. That's how I internalize the album and everything around it, where it has this perfect nature of kind of guessing or not guessing, but kind of estimating where the game's going. You know what I mean? Say doing so doing something like this that's actually, believe it or not, very rare. I wouldn't say very rare. Let's just say rare in the fact of it being this good. You know, even even we even we you know when we listen to Jlib uh, Champion Sound, like it hasn't aged that well. It should have been. It should sound great on paper, but it's not that great on paper. Uh, it's not that great in in application. Um, but this, but this lasts. This this album lasts, and you know, I feel like that comes from the, uh, the, just just the essence of what they were going for. I I, I believe anyway. And I fully agree. I'm glad you went down that path because what I'm going to speak about next is, you know, it's it's one thing to have a vision, but it's another thing to actually execute it. And Black Star dropped in 1998, right? If you listen to the top, the the the. the the hip-hop albums that went top 10 in 1995, then compare them to the ones in 1998. You get Too Short, Tupac, ODB, Raekwon, Junior Mafia, Dog Pound, Cypress Hill, 8-Ball, MG, MGJ, Jizza, Bone Thugs, Naughty by Nature. MJG. MJG, sorry. Uh, that's 95, right? There's one Diddy-like album in there, which is Junior Mafia. Then you've got three Woo members, you know, it's a whole other landscape from 98. You've got LOX Diddy, Will Smith, Jermaine Dupree, Fat Joe, Jay-Z, basically post-Diddy, Mia X. In 97, there were four Diddy-led top 10 albums. Four Diddy-led top. That's wild. So how do you inject that 1995 energy into something contemporary and listenable? And, you know, Kuali told Combat Jack that because they had a song together, Fortified Live, they were signed basically as a duo to Raucous. I'm going to jump back into the black story here because I think that I just want to give a little bit of background and history to how they got to the content they got to. Yep. 
so they began getting together, getting sorry, getting booked together for shows. You know, whenever Mose and Kwali were up at the Lyricist Lounge, they would get on stage with each other. And Kwali said that people expected them to just be together all the time. And Kwali said that Mose was the first to float the idea of a group, but it was Raucus who solidified the idea. Again, man, I, I love the way Talib's answers kind of circle around the fact that this was a record label construct. You know, Kwali begins talking about the story, saying he only wanted to sign to a major only as a solo act, only if his first single was a solo single. In a few co- short conversations, it seems Walker's convinced him not only to sign to them, an independent label, but to forego all of his solo aspirations and form this duo with Yassine Bey. And the funny thing is, when I was researching that and wrote that, I was watching Combat Jack. Mm-hmm. Bro, he's a master. He was a, such a master because as soon as I had that thought in my head, Combat Jack says, all throughout this process, were you fighting it in a sense? And he, the way that he explains it, he's like, this doesn't make a lot of sense, Talib, because like you said you didn't want to do this and now you're doing it, right? So Kwali's response, this is the thing about uh, Combat Jack. Another interviewer wouldn't have got this answer out of an artist because they wouldn't have seen that. They would have had the things that they were going to talk about already and they would have been like, oh, cool. Raucus told you to do this, so you did it. So what happened next? Combat Jack circled back and he said, no, 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 your emotions are like, what's going on here? There's there's cognitive dissonance here. So Kwali to- told Combat Jack in response to that question, he said, they, they said we'll give you $30,000 to do a Black Star album all in. I had never imagined anyone would give me $30,000. Even though my focus was Reflection Eternal, I immediately switched focus. Okay, I'll do this, sure. Yasin Bey, I still revered him. I'm like, this is my man, and I'm a big fan of his. This is going to be great. So it was money. Uh, Yasin Bey told Spin, he said, I'd done this 12-inch for Raucus. They wanted me to do an album, and I didn't want to after the payday experience. He had a, a bad, a couple of bad label experiences, and we'll talk about that when we get to this luminary drop because there's, there's some stuff about that. He said, he continues, me and Kwali were hanging pretty tough. He was working at a Brooklyn bookstore doing open mics, and he was dope. He had this whole crew, and they were super, sci- super scientifical. That's that's what he used, scientifical. I love that. Their rhymes were dense, talking about Egypt, Egyptology. These guys had the big brains. Then he laughed in that point. I like that. Then one day I bought this jazz album. I think it was Milt Jackson and Lionel Hampton, and I said, that's it. We need to do a collabo like jazz, a one-album deal. That's important too. I was big on being sovereign and free and they gave us like $90,000 to record, which was more money than I'd ever seen at one time. I just had my first child and the goal wasn't about trying to become a star. It was to become a real working artist. I really hope I didn't just expose a secret that Yasin Bey was paid 90K and Talib 30K for the same album. I don't understand where the discrepancy comes there. But that's how the duo began and... You know, that's where I, I'm going to pause there quickly and ask Charlie, like, does that, because that was weird to me, just the whole idea of like, you know, we think of Black Star as being very, very socially conscious, very anti-label, anti-system, anti-holding artists back, but they literally did what Raucus told them to do because Raucus wrote them a check, and I find that confusing. Does that, does that, am I off in that? In what in what sense of uh, just the fact that they got paid for it? If I told you, or the fact they allowed if it. If I said to you before this episode, the reason Black Star exists is because of record label money. What would you say to that? 
I mean, on that face, it comes pretty easily because it it uh, um it was I knew it was from Rockets anyway, so I'm assuming they gave them money. Of course, right? I mean you've got to get paid. Um, I'm, this uh, like you've definitely got to get paid. You know, I'm not saying that these artists should just be doing everything for free. That's insanity. But Charlie sure. didn't want to do a duo album. He didn't want to right. do a collab. He didn't want to do what they wanted him to do. And as soon as they wrote him a check, he right. just did it. He's like, yeah, fuck it, we'll do it. And it was great. You know, it worked out perfectly. And then there was yeah. no there was no compromising mm-hmm. once the music started. Not at all. And maybe they had that vision the whole time. Maybe they're like, well, we're going to create something incredible anyway. Fuck it. Like, this is a good idea. Let's get our checks. Let's cash our checks. And let's fucking make something internal. Yeah. So I'm assuming Combat Jack didn't get an answer from that cognitiveness. <laughs> I mean, his answer really, his answer came from Talib just saying, well, they, they gave me a check. I mean, I think that that was... They gave you a check. That was the answer. Okay. Sure. Um, okay. In answering the question, um, yeah, I, I feel like this comes um, at a... There's, there's a... I feel like as a as a as a pure artistry um uh, from a from a, a foundation of pure artistry from a pedestal of pure artistry yeah that doesn't that comes off as weird where you know you weren't into it but you got a check and now you're into it um but I feel you know uh, and I think it might again gonna, well not again but I'm going to say right I'm not I'm not I'm not reading Talib's mind here but I'm imagining, at this point in time, Talib isn't on the same level as most. Like, in, in, from a commercial sure. standpoint, right? We can yeah. agree on that. So, I'm. There might have been might, Talib might have been tight then. Don't know, right? But then again, he said no. So that comes from the pure artistry standpoint, right? Um, but I, 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 I feel like a lot of people um, that. I'll say claim to have the sense of pure artistry where money doesn't matter, etc., etc. We've talked about that kind of stuff before. But then when you get given a check, you think about it differently. Um, maybe it was... Maybe they were offered already and they got lowballed and, and then he said no. Maybe. Who knows, right? It, what, if 30000 was just the one and only offer, I kind of... I don't know. I don't think I I would p- believe that if that was the case. I feel like there was a negotiation in some fashion. But on the flip side, they did one. It went v- it happened it it happened. It became uh, in in some circles a cult classic, right? And they haven't done another one until May of 2022. So it's interesting how they only did the first one, if anything. I feel that's kind of where I, where my mind goes, where it's just like, how comes Raucous didn't just throw a bag of money at him saying, do more of this? You know what I mean? That's that's the question I come out of that with. Um, but yeah, it's an, it's, a, it's an interesting mental exercise to think about, especially from a pure artistry standpoint of why someone would be, uh, wouldn't be into it, but then just throwing a bag of money and then does it. On the face, I'm, 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 forcing myself to believe there's more context here than we just that we just don't know because on the face of that it does seem just very transactional and i refuse to take it uh, take it as that hmm. it's interesting i'm looking at raucous records discography right now to try and see you know they weren't sure. uh, like because i think uh 
Yeah, they they were never they were never like large large. No, but but I mean they were they were known in hip hop circles. I f- I feel that's the that's the best way of. Yeah, I'm it. trying to think of why they, as you say, didn't throw more money at them. I mean, Black on both sides went 25. I mean, Black Star went 53 on the Billboard 200, so that's not super high. Uh, even f- yeah, even Pharaoh Monch's yeah, album, exactly. uh, Internal Affairs, outcharted it. The Big Picture by Big L, obviously 13 on the Billboard 200. So I don't think they needed it really. Mm. I don't think they. It would have been great, but I think the 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 context, the extra context to it is that, you know, Mose and, and Talib knew each other already. They had worked together like plenty of times. They really respected each other. They loved each other's music and they knew that they were going to create something incredible together. It, sim- it seemed to me, I'll talk about it actually because High Tech speaks about it a little bit. I'll, I'll jump back into the, the story because once they made the decision to, to record the album, they had to begin work. And High Tech, High Tech has six production credits on the record. Uh, Sean J. Period, who produced Yassine Bey's debut single, has two. 88 Keys is on here. I hope that's J. Period of, of, our, of our J. Period, because he's a beast. It might be. It might be. Um, third, 34 samples, which is double the average total for Billboard 200 top 10 hip-hop albums of 98. So it was sample heavy. Uh, now... Talib and Yassin Bey took a cab to 88 Keys' mother's house in Long Island at one point. 88 Keys said this, That was incredible to me. I was 18 years old, still living at my parents' house, had the studio in the basement, and we were doing the songs. You guys showed up in the cab, and automatically you came from Brooklyn to Long Island. We created a classic. Now, High Tech was on People's Party, and he told the story of recording Fortified Love. Uh, And what he says in here, he said... When he knew that the duo would be releasing an album rather than a Quali or a most solo album, that was when he was like, oh shit, that makes perfect sense. So when they were recording Fortified Love, he was like, man, these guys have great chemistry. They have really unique chemistry. And when he heard that the label wanted to do a duo album, he's like, makes perfect sense. Absolutely perfect sense. And he said that Qualib and uh, Yassine Bey would give him instructions or projects and he'd hop over on the drum machine and start constructing the beats based off their their instructions and I find that really interesting because Quali has co-production credits on this album on a couple of tracks and from the interviews I've seen thus far they were both heavily involved in every single aspect of this record you know this wasn't this wasn't a, oh let's get a bunch of hot beats and then just spit over them this was like we're creating a concept project here and naturally there was pushback against the sound and direction that Blackstar wanted to go in Quali told an interviewer on BET in 1999 that he was told regularly that the duo would not succeed because they weren't rapping about selling crack. And this was the boundary they sought to push back on. And Yassine Bey told Spin, he said this, we were far from perfect. We were here on the streets like everybody else. And we all could have gone down that road. But come on, man, crack was not glamorous. It was not sexy. You know, Japan in the 40s got Hiroshima and Nagasaki and the black community in the 80s got crack. And that shit was like a mushroom cloud. You cannot fucking imagine. It destroyed many, many lives. And you see people living through that hell. You don't want to glorify that shit. Now, of course, Common was on this record, and that made perfect sense. Quali said they flew to Chicago to record with him, but Common left it two whole weeks after hearing their verses before he submitted their own. Yassine Bey said it took him that long because he wanted to deliver something genuinely worthy of the occasion. If we break down who delivered the majority of the lyrics, it's pretty close. When you remove guests and samples, Talib gets 48%, Yassine Bey gets 52%. Obviously, I, I think most people agree Yassin was the strongest performer on the album uh, by a pretty huge margin. But Kweli is, is solid and dependable, you know. He provides the, 
I guess, the tempo. Like, I like that. Quali's always there. You always know what you're going to get with Quali. And concept-wise, obviously, it's extremely socially conscious. I began an analysis, but to be honest, it's really difficult to filter any bars out of that category. You know, the whole album is steeped in sharp social dissections tinged heavily with the emotions that those dissections explore. Uh, I think that that's a huge part of it. You know, you can make big statements and you can make big observations, but until you drill down into the humanity of them and the emotion of them, they don't impact. You know, it's like you're almost viewing it through a glass. You're like, oh yeah, okay, I understand that that's bad. But as Charlie said this ages ago, he said everyone has an empathy bucket and, you know, eventually your empathy bucket <laughs> is is empty. And I think that's very true. But I also think a lot of the news these days, we can't feel empathy for it because they just tell us what it is and they don't connect the humanity to it. You know, you're just seeing like X amount of people have died in some horrible tragedy. It's impossible for you to get that scope. But I think on Blackstar, they pulled you into the humanity of it. They pulled you into the human emotion. And that's why it's so impactful and it stays with you, you know. And, you know, I think that, for example, Definition is a great example of this kind of thing. Like, even on a song that's dubbed so simplistic, simplistic is the term that every Blackstar think piece in history has said, you know, the definition definition is so simplistic, but the message is really heavy, you know, speaking on the deaths of Park and Biggie and exploring the circumstances that led to it and the decisions that led to it and the, the pain that that caused, you know. And I think underlying this this energy that they have, this like insane social commentary was something insanely listenable, like so listenable. A nostalgic throwback to the sample heavy sounds of the 80s, definitely but I think it was paired with the fact that Jay Diller existed in the mainstream by this stage. You know, he influenced production the way that Rakim influenced MCing. And these two things together gave each track this nostalgic edge. You know, those loops threw me back to the first listen of Tribe or my first exposures to the native tongues. And lyrically, I think they remind me heavily of the way the outcast managed their dynamic. You know, Andre had these existential musings and you never really knew where he was going to go next. He could just do a straight rap verse or he could just do a spoken word verse and everything in between he could do. Big Boy had these brutal yeah. truths and an entirely unique way of telling them. And Donna Claire Smith for DJ Booth, who wrote that brilliant Year of Mac uh, section, that was incredible. She's a brilliant writer. It's a book, yeah. So she wrote this about uh, Blackstar. She said, The goal of Blackstar was not necessarily to sneak in political meaning, but to make the political approachable and enjoyable. With that, the record was imbued with an aura of soul and heart that could never sound dated and also colored Kuali's delivery and the mahogany timber of the album's soundscapes. <laughs> I wish I could write it like that. But I think the triumph for this album is laid bare right there. You know, at the peak of the mafioso clashing with the shiny suit era, far too close to the sound they were recreating. And that's another point. They were recreating that like 94 sound. They were too close to get any kind of nostalgic bump from that. You can't get a nostalgic bump from four years ago. You know, it doesn't work like that. It has to be good. And, you know, this was the, yeah. like, you listen to Joey Badass, like, on 999, yeah, he's getting that nostalgic bump from back then. But if you listen mm. to someone doing EDM Good rap, show. EDM now, they're not going to get, you're not going to be like, oh, man, really miss 2012. Like, no, no one fucking misses 2012. But anyway, like, this was the genesis of the bling-bling era too, man. This was the beginning of Cash Money's absolute dom dominance. And, 
you know, this was a burgeoning record label that had already sunk reams of money into the music business and had yet to recoup. Blackstar were unapologetically the message they set out to convey, and they brought backpack rap into the late 90s, and they created that trend. And that trend has given us Kanye West, Lupe Fiasco, some even say J. Cole. And I think it's just, the whole album is just aged like fine wine, man. It's incredible. Okay, one, uh, whoever said this is this is a simplistic anything takes this album is 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 silly i don't get i don't i don't understand that like the only like is what is it the radios it they're called jay's radio because that's simplistic in some way right but this ain't i don't know but i don't don't get that that context uh two a man chelsea won the uh, champions league and it was a great fucking london olympics okay so it's 2012 Oh yeah, no, twenty twelve is fine. It's just the the, the music. It feels <laughs> I have a type of fe- I have a type of feeling towards that whole year. Uh, biggest negatives and highest of highs. Really, really fascinating year for me personally. Lazy. But uh, no, yeah, no, so that too. There was some trash music that year, man. Oh yeah, there was there was some boo boo. I'm sure <laughs> there was some boo boo. Um, but thirdly, shout to eighty eight keys, man. Like just uh, just mm. like, this is his, fir- his first like. Yeah, Thieves in the Night. Fucking hell, what a first credit that is. Is that, is that his first ever credit? Then, I mean, it's the first on Wikipedia, so <laughs> take, take, that, take that with a grain of salt. Wow. But, um, but yeah, that, uh, Macy Gray, Black on Both Sides, he did three tracks on that. Uh, Beanie Siegel, uh, J-Live, uh, Music Soul Child, uh, Far Sides, Humboldt Beginnings, funny enough, The New Danger, Talib uh, as well, and obviously, you know, No Church in the Wild and all the stuff from... Uh, all the stuff from Donda, um, but yeah, and th- fourthly, funny enough, of all this stuff about Talib talking uh, and Raucous, the fact that he has like done most of his work and pr- some would say his best work via Raucous is kind of hilarious. Um, uh, got like quality and uh, that high tech uh, project that he did with, well, with high tech obviously. Um, I forgot the name of it, but yeah, there, there's that too on Raucous. So it's funny how uh, all this talk about Talib and. Um, label stuff and he was on the label <laughs> for for most majority of his best work uh, majority of his peak years um but yeah on the album to itself um i kind of want to play the lyric game uh, if you want to play it um uh, just like pick a track for me and i'll pick one yeah. for you um yeah go for it i'll give you a i'll give you hater players i really like that track it's an underrated uh, track um but um is there a better free track stretch than astronomy definition redefinition i'm trying to think of like the, the, that's up there uh, three track stretches go. That's fucking up there, man. That is really just top tier. Uh, three tracks. Um, <laughs> it's crazy. You got you got a track for me, there? Uh I reckon B boys will be boys. Good, because I like that track as well. Yeah, but even even when that said, right, I feel like a lot of people kind of see this album as the first. Well, not the first first three tracks, but you know the. the 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 second third and fourth track officially right they 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 just see that and then just not skip all the way to to respiration but kind of like blank out the rest of it but mate there's some there's some gems in here man obviously children's stories a heavy reference to slick rick um as ben is obviously very happy about as always um I I love black skin black uh, brown skin lady. Sorry, I I really people don't like that anymore. People have criticized. I I see a lot of criticism for that song. 
love I, I love the Gil Scott Heron um sample. I I just I'm I'm just really into it. I don't know why. I just really like it. Um but yeah. Uh let me look up Will's boy B boy B boys will be boys, which is even with that said, I just love the B boy energy. And that's another thing I wanted to uh, get to uh for what you were saying. Um uh, off the back of what you were saying. The fact that they literally just reached back and it worked does not make sense to me because I feel like when it gets to there's a certain line of de- demarcation right where you know around now the, you know in 2022 2021 ever since um ever since ever since honestly awaken my love right funny how um funny how side note funny how uh Charles Gambino Donald Glover uh, interviewing Charles Gambino or whatever the fuck it was um talking about uh uh uh, because the internet was a uh, uh, OK yeah, computer, a hip hop version of OK computer, um, which I've seen from you and other people. Uh, that is a big no on that front. Um, funny how he talks about that and not awaken my Weird. love, which probably is more, uh, probably is more influential than because of the internet. Absolutely. Like, just think about what what I'm, I'm trying to think of an album like last decade that was doing the full on pastiche of like. You know, uh, in that case, um, you know, a seventies funk, and and now we got Silk Sonic, got that Lauren Vuller record, obviously from last year that I, that I love. Like, yeah, hey man, uh, Dua Lipa, I think uh, was it Dua Lipa? I, I think, um, or Charlie XCX, I forget which one is which. Um, and you know, they they're all doing pastiches. This is interesting because it should it should be bad, it should be bad in a lot of ways. Where we've talked about albums before, where um you know uh, they they did an album and it was great for the time but it just it just dropped years later and it just did not and it just didn't work because they just dropped it then and it just didn't work if they dropped it uh, a different uh, at the point they were supposed to it would have worked but unfortunately it didn't this is so weird because it doesn't feel like 98 <laughs> it doesn't it really doesn't like the fact that it do- is dropped in 98 blows my freaking mind to be completely honest this would have been this would have been amazing in ninety ninety three or something like that. It would have been amazing um, in years before it. But even when I said it's still amazing regardless, and it ate and, it, and like I said uh, near the beginning, it is aged very freaking well. Let's um, just do the most because obviously uh, verse from a uh, uh, b boys or b boys. Uh, uh, I want all the poppers and the breakers to form this circle. I want all the poppers and the breakers. The writers and the exciters to get in the circle and make it real live, yo. Because I'm seeing too many stars up in here tonight, yo. I'm seeing the Rocksteady crew. I'm seeing Ken Swift. I'm seeing Mr. Wiggles. I'm seeing Mauricio. I'm seeing Crazy Legs. And I'm seeing Zulu Nation up in here. Uh, that's more about, like, uh, d- uh, I, I just I just love the references, honestly, uh, just from that. Um, and then, obviously, uh, Talib and Most Def just get into it. Uh, my name is Talib Kwali. I got my man on the side of me, most definitely. And we are fresh, black star, fresh, G Young, fresh, high tech, native tongues, John J, 88, 98. We're about to motivate. Uh, here's a little story that must be told about two young brothers who was put on hold. They try to stop the goal. We on a spiritual plane. Try to tie, kill the pride and destroy the name. We just two brad brothers who will never quit. My most deaf Kwali. We the ultimate. The fact that they basically just share this verse as well brings back the um the uh the the, the cipher nature that I was talking about and has been referenced a couple of times, especially from this track. Um, I feel like uh just you know even at the start of it where he's just just most ever just shouting out all the people of of note, and then they just shout out their own people on the verse itself, and they just go back and forth. I just love tracks like that. 
and it really and it really just emphasizes how um dynamic this album is where you have stuff like you know astronomy and definition and there's some deep content in there there's some deep context in there as well but then you have like hater players and b-boys will be boys and it's just that and it's just that cypher energy i really love that i love both of those just elements um that uh that come through for the album and just make it top tier and um you know shout out to high tech actually just you know on the side note like fucking uh, underrated producer right in in general i feel um but yeah produced most of this records um apart from a few j periods and obviously yeah, yeah keys on thieves and that but yeah man he's 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 done some good things he's done some great things o- over the years man i'm just looking at his production discography right now it's just really good stuff all over <coughs> yeah i'm just having a look at it too actually i mean uh don't know heaps about his production discography Oh yeah, there's some stuff in here. Eh? Yeah, Cassidy. Yeah, it's just, it's just like it's just like it's just some tracks here and there, like where it's just re- it's just really solid. Uh, I know he did like um, uh, he did come down uh on Anson Pack's uh, uh record. Um, he's done some stuff. I know he's done some good stuff with Pack as well. I think uh some I think he did one track on Malibu. I forget which one it is. Um, see if I can find it right quick. But yeah, it's just. Oh, I mean, it was it was come down, but I'm thinking of something else. Hope uh, hope uh, comes up, but yeah. Uh, no, it's come down. Okay, yeah, it's just come down. I was thinking of. Um, Your heart don't stand a chance. Oh, that was DJ Kilo. Okay, yeah, come down. That was the one I was thinking of. But yeah, just yeah, just just solid production all over this as well. Just a just a side note, I guess. But yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a it's a fucking yeah, just classical classic. Yeah, I want to. Uh read these two sections out and i think it really highlights the difference between talib and yasin so on hater players you get talib rapping yo with the quickness so swift you miss this lyrical fitness now get this these mcs want to test me like litmus bear witness i'm like shot clocks interstate cops and blood clots my point is your flow gets stopped by all means you need more practice take that ass home everybody looking at you fish tank syndrome in full effect, I stay catching lyrical wreck and keep it blacker than the back of your neck. What you expect, MC's hollering because we develop in the following. Get Getting played like stone love tapes and dollar vans, like, it's just wild. But then you get Yasin. Visions occupy my synaptic space, command and shape to illustrate my mind's landscape. The tall grass, the low plains, the mountainous ridges, thickets among the forests, rivers between the, beneath the bridges. Presence of hilltops lit up with treetops, eavesdrop, and hear the incline of sunshine. Nine stones in orbit refuse to forfeit. They all form a cipher and they came to absorb it. I follow suit and face it, embrace it, shining bright, but I'm careful not to waste it. Destined to rise because I'm basement adjacent. Spirit is still, so just chill and be patient. Some heads approach like I'm the one to base with. Clowns about to scream and shout, but don't say, like, it's just, it's so different, like, completely different. You know, Talib's on that old school, you know, that, like, 80s braggadocio, and most Steph's on this just, like, a whole other plane, man. This, like, lyrical ascension is this incredible. Um, yeah, man, great. And that's a deep cut. <laughs> That's deep cut, man. That's a deep cut. That's a deep cut. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, bro. The lo- the lo- the just the just the consistent quality of this album is, I I believe probably just the simple. It's probably and probably the simplest reason why it's uh why it's been so uh hailed in hip hop circles and why it's such a cult classic. It's like if you if you know hip hop, you know uh you know mo- you know Blackstar. 
and you've listened to that and if you this is if you've listened to the album you know why it's great um i feel like that's just the that's just the bare minimum of just being uh you know into hip hop where you know you you can you can you can reference the deep cuts here in this album you just like oh yeah you know boys will be boys is a heat is a heat i hate players there's some great stuff on there you know it's not just respiration and astronomy and definition redefinition while they're great fucking tracks and they deserve to they deserve the hail they get it's just some really good stuff all over the place and that's uh kind of just why i personally want to just um uh hammer home as it pertains to this album it's the first time I said that, by the way, this episode. Yeah, um, <laughs> you know, last week you actually said, as it pertains to after I lit you Don't up count. for saying that your most used term was as it pertains. You actually said it, man. You said it like ten minutes later. I was when I was re-listening. I'm like, oh no, he did it. Did he do that on purpose? But it just came out so naturally. I'm like, he definitely did that completely organically. He wouldn't have even known he did it. I, I've, 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 I've. I've tried desperately not to this episode. That's the first time I said this episode, and I've, I've counted. But yeah, no, no just <laughs> I read a oh, I read a beautiful retrospective sake. on Stereo Gum by Tom Bray, and, and he wrote this uh, a year earlier. Rap had seen the flashiest summer in its entire history. Bad Boy suddenly dominant, not just over rap but over pop music in general. <sighs> Rap's commercial potential yeah. was suddenly realized more than most people had probably ever thought possible. Rappers were competing to show who could display more money in the most ostentatious ways, who could flex the hardest. The backlash was inevitable. That backlash took a lot of forms. One was Lauren Hill's lush, organic, open wound soul. Another was DMX's urgent, guttural, slash your throat street rap. And another was what Blackstar were doing. And I think that they helped haul hip-hop's direction around just far enough so that it wouldn't go too far down the Diddy route. And when Jay-Z rapped, if school sold, truth be told, I'd probably be lyrically Talib Kweli. I think he summed up the entire thing in two bars. You know, rappers were scared to add lyrical depth to their music in the late 90s. They weren't sure what it would mean for their commercial success. You know, we have Wu-Tang solo members going top 10, but they were never going to change. You know, they came into the game that way and they stayed that way. They never changed. Nas was kind of stumbling with Nostradamus. Jay-Z dropped volume three. He had he had Mariah Carey on that that album, man. Things you do, and he put that out as a single, and that went absolutely nowhere. Lox thought they needed Diddy to blow up, you know. Talib and Most Def did not give a fuck, and you know people I've read who wrote that that album impacted when it dropped say that the buzz was absolutely immense, you know, likely record label construction, but. The album was timeless enough to outlast that buzz. And Kwali said in an interview, when we came out with the Black Star album, I felt like the balance wasn't really being presented. Now I think it's being portrayed more in the media. And I think people really responded to the album in part because of our timing. When that shit came out, there was really nothing like it. Nobody was really putting out vinyl. Nobody's really talking about those subjects, things that need to be talked about. And I think, you know, I want to leave my thoughts on the album actually from some words from Tidal. Uh, they didn't say who wrote this. It was just title, it's, you know, maybe the streaming service. I hate that. I don't I like it either. Happens. I really dislike it because I feel like it's a way to remove accountability if you fuck up. It's like, yeah, no, it wasn't me. It was <laughs> a computer algorithm. Anyway, they wrote, yeah. and I think this, they should have taken credit, uh, credit for this. At its core, Blackstar was a duo obsessed with life. 
Enwrapped in Groove and Melody, Black Star is an album that urges you to live despite the death and violence that steals away black youth in America. These are the ingredients for timeless music, where every era in America is the era of resistance and where each day brings with it another demand for light. Over 20 years, Black Star, with its poetic free-flowing jazz, took the despair that comes with the truth of a timeless struggle and turned that expanse of darkness into a rallying cry of timeless living. Now, it's pretty esoteric that, but I think it's I think it's good. I like it. I think that's, that's a good sum up of, of the album. So with that said... What are you expecting from the long-awaited song, well, in your opinion? Look, so the aftermath, do you want me to get into that? Because it's, it's a bit of a story. I can talk about it, um, and then we can talk about what Let's we're expecting. It. Because, you know, not a lot has been written about the hiatus of Black Star. I think because Kwali broke off into his own solo career, and Yassine turned into a really revered but kind of reclusive MC. You know, there wasn't much expectation. In 2005, in an interview, it was said that the new Black Star album was in the pipeline. They appeared on a few of each other's projects. I'm not going to go into a little more here, but they, you know, the ecstatic uh, Yassin Speaks, um, Get By remix, obviously incredible song. Uh, they appeared on Chappelle's show, performing What's Beef as the first musical guest ever on the show, which for some reason I never saw. I never saw it. I don't know why. It could be a record label thing. I've watched that episode many times, Netflix, DVDs, on TV when it came out. I never saw that performance. I don't know why. I've seen the performance of Most Deaf in the Car and his freaking fedora. Just rat- and Dave Chappelle's trying to drive along with the screw face. It's crazy. Dave Chappelle's face is all screwed up like, oh, shit. And he's trying to drive. It's one of the greatest fucking scenes ever. Um, they performed at 2004's Block Party, uh, Dave Chappelle's Block Party. Rock the Bells in 2007. They played a lot of shows. 2009, they played two sold-out shows in New York. 2010, reunion show. 2011, a Black Star song was leaked by DJ J-Rock, uh, which actually may have even prompted them to perform that track and Astronomy on the Colbert Report in 2011, uh, which is, of course, a show famous for, for uh, featuring hip-hop numbers recently. Um, you know, that same year, they performed Rock the Bell. Uh, Rock the Bells 2012, Yassin changes his name. In a wide-ranging interview in 2012, he says, but now it feels like the right time for Black Star to come back. If we do it, then we have to do it for the right reasons. That same year they performed You Already Knew and Little Brother on Jimmy Fallon, as well as a performance together in Paris 2013 they performed in Brazil. 2014, Talib told none other than DJ Vlad, uh, that the chances of a Black Star album is slim. And I quote, Black Star is a very lucrative thing, but you know, that album is special. You know, part part twos are overrated. People are always like, you need to make a Black Star album part two. You know, how about just go and listen to the old one? The reason you like it so much is, is it is what it is. Appreciate it for what it is. So 2015, they tour Australia and New Zealand. 2016, Yassine retires from music. 2017, they reunite for three shows at the Kennedy Center. 2018. Not very much UK dates. 2018, Yasin actually announces the very next Black Star <laughs> album is produced by Madlib. <coughs> now, that was 2018. Kwali responds with, We've been talking about doing an album with Madlib for years. That's been an idea we've had for so long, but for him to make that announcement, I didn't know he was going to make the announcement. It's an idea we've been discussing for a long time, and now we've got to make it happen. They performed with Black Thought and Lupe for a benefit concert. 2019, Madlib revealed the album and Kwali confirmed it existed, saying, I listen to it all the time. Thanks, Kwali. Uh, I actually think 
the key driver to what we're seeing this is back in the 90s, groups rather than duos was still prevalent. You know, duos were groups, Outkast, Gangstar, Mob Deep, CNN. There was less meth and red, which is a contradiction to current day. You know, we get random duo albums all the time. So I don't think there was a lot of expectation for this record. Um, you know, I think that part of this whole thing and part of the luminary thing, this is the luminary tieback, is Yassine told People's Party, which is Talib's podcast, he says this about the music industry. You mean to tell me that the source of labor at the center of this experience is supposed to be satisfied and grateful with receiving a portion of a penny for their efforts and labor? Now, whoever else is happy with that, then that's you. You can take your labor to the market however you see fit. But when it relates to something that I'm doing and that I've been doing, I don't have to ask your permission. I don't have to get your understanding. And if I'm ambivalent or something just don't feel right and I'm searching for a better way to do it, that's completely my volition. If you're trying to tell me I've got to put it out on your schedule and not get paid what it's worth, but you want, me, you want to tell me what it's worth, then we're always going to have a fucking problem. Because my grandma wasn't a sucker and I don't come from sucker people. Now, he actually revealed feelings about how he feels about fans demanding this Black Star album. He said, I'm not here to be run by the audience's <laughs> expectations because I have my own needs. Not you have mom. your own needs. I appreciate your enthusiasm, but that shit is not a steering wheel on my back for you to start fucking spinning it and doing donuts like I'm disappointing you. If you want the next Black Star album that bad, then you make it. Oh, that's right. You can't. So just chill out until we get this shit sorted out because who the fuck is more essential to Black Star than Black Star? I get it. We want it too. You think you want the album more than us? Knock it off. You did not spend the hours with the music or those ideas. I love it. I fucking love it. And I remember you. I remember you. I remember you. Uh, you've you've said that quote before. So some some point in time, and I remember that one. So like, you fucking make it. So just, oh, you know gosh. why? Nothing hurt feelings. You know what I'm so excited about? I'm just excited to hear Yasin Bey. I look. I love Talib. I love his music. I don't love some of the shit he does. No, there we go. Um, yeah, sorry. I, I love there his music. Um, some some there serious nastiness outside of that. But I and and again, mm-hmm. you know, someone said this Black Star album would just be amazing if it was just most deaf and Madlib, and I don't disagree with that at all. I just want to hear Yasin Bey, man. That's all I want to hear. I, you know, like I listened to Talib's uh, collab project with Styles P a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, Talib excels when he's next to someone. He really excels. He sounds incredible. He just gets in this zone. So I think he'll bring them. He'll bring what he brings. But fuck me. Yeah. The Diamond D one was good. Uh, with the Goth- Gotham. But I just, w- w- if if they said to you tomorrow, Charlie, you can choose Yasin and Madlib or Blackstar. With Madlib, what are you choosing? Well, it's the fact that Madlib's in both of them, isn't it? So you know, it's not it's 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 all gravy regardless. Um, but I think that just comes out of what we've gotten from Kwali and what we've gotten from Yasin because you know we did the most uh, we did the Yasin retrospective, and you know that was very illuminating in a lot of ways especially from a creativity standpoint and how, you know, we all love black on both sides, but you you, you, you have to be a really, you have to be really into Yassine to like everything else. Uh, 
you know, especially the new danger. That was very just abstract in my mind. Um, but, you know, on the Quali side, you know, I've listened to some of his albums, not all of them. Um, Quality, obviously, is a classic. Um, Beautiful Struggle has some good stuff. Eardrums, some good stuff. Gravitas has one called The State of Grace, which is just super heavy. I like that. Um, and Radio Silence, which was half decent in 2017. But like you said, Quali is so great with other people, with with someone on it. So like Indy 500 with Knife Wonder, The Seven that you mentioned with Stars P, uh, Gotham with Diamond D, uh, the high-tech one, Train of Thought, as Reflection Eternal, as you mentioned, uh, even Liberation with Madlib, uh, funny enough. So, you know, we've had that. We've had we've had Quali and Madlib before. So it's not like it's not like it's a new concept. It's not like we can't, you know, imagine it, not imagine it. You know, what I mean, it's there. There is some of it there. There's traces of all of this here. That is a lot of filibustering to say yes. I would want a Mad Lib and Yasin album because that would just be interesting on its face. Um, but I'm I wouldn't I'm not gonna cry at <laughs> I'm not gonna cry at having all three. But I I do know I do know what the question is asking you know under the surface it's like what do you want like it's the same it's it's similar to how like um when when silk sonic dropped there was a couple of there was a few people that i heard that were like okay this is cool but next time let park run it because it was clear that bruno and demille had that on lock and park was just there for the ride right um and they took he took their lead but some people want to see what Park can do with full autonomy and then Bruno follows and maybe DeMille follows as well. So I can see where you're coming with that, with that question and I get it. Um, either way, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to feel blessed regardless. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to give that, uh, I'm going to give the new album a spin. I'm just going to get a free trial on Luminary and just see what's up. Um, the Midnight Miracle, uh, by the way, is the podcast with um, them two and uh, Dave Chappelle. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm da- I'm down to spin. I I feel like I want to see what see even with that uh, the quote you mentioned. Obviously, with um, uh, if you want a black star, you do it. Um, and obviously, labels more more uh, 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 more importantly to what I want to ask a podcast platform. Mm, stupid. I'm not. I'm not against it, right? I'm not against the. I'm not against the because this kind of gives me, uh, you know, Donda two on stem player vibes, right? Where there's this element of, um, there's this element of we want to, we want control. It's an element of control here that I'm here for, right? But I'm just kind of, I don't know. Do they have a stake in Luminary? Because if that's the case, then yeah, I get it. I definitely get oh, I'm it. I'm sure they're getting um, a bag they're, for you know, it. I'm I'm sure they are, um, but you know, even we, even when I look up Luminary, like um, from what I know, the only shows I've heard of is a uh, you know, Trevor Noah's Ting. I know Russell Brand's one's very popular, hmm. um, and uh, and obviously um, and obviously the Midnight Miracle, which you know as it pertains to names, there you go, number two, is uh, is is stacked, right? You got you got Dave Chappelle, Yasin, who's who really talks, and and obviously Talib who always talks these days um so yeah uh, i mean that factually like he has the people's party he has this like sometimes you know, he should talks more than me talks more than talk me brother so much, uh, <laughs> talks more than me brother and i'm gonna be on free podcasts this next couple uh this next week um but yeah uh 
I I just I just wonder like in terms of uh, autonomy, sure, right? I guess they can drop whenever they want because they're because they're dropping it on their podcast platform, right? Makes sense. But past that, I'm just wondering: uh, is it is it just not posturing, but is it kind of just like it, it doesn't say here's the future? You know what I mean? That's kind of where I'm getting at. It's like, yeah, let's drop our podcast on Luminary, but let's let's drop our albums on Luminary now. Let's have, let's get everyone to do that. You know, I can see what Kanye's trying to do with the stem player. Um, don't think it'll work, but you know, big up to you for trying. I'm not gonna listen to Donda too, so I'm not gonna cry. Um, but eh, I don't know. Podcast platform. Um, I'm not. I'm not quite seeing it. Um, but I do get the the autonomy sense of the Yassine quote. It, it it tracks here. It tracks, but everything else, I don't. I don't really. I'm I'm kind of getting this. It, the, the, the lines get blurred after that. Yeah, look. I mean, you can put your music out whatever way you want. It's your music. You don't have to... Yeah, I mean, yeah, bruv. You know, SoundCloud, whatever. You don't have to... Mixcloud, you don't have to Bandcamp, whatever, You don't whatever, have bro. to put it out if you don't want to, but, like... Don't have to... I mean, yeah. What did, what did Yassin do? Put it in a fucking exhibition? Yeah. Like, in-person that hurt. exhibition? I mean, I, like, I'm... Ima- oh, God, the amount of people. How many people even saw that? Probably a couple hundred? Fuck him. That, that, that? I wish I... I don't know how long God, it went I wish for, I could but have yeah, heard that, that album. But you know, imagine having that exclusive flex. That's an exclusive. Flex. I mean, look at yeah, I, I heard look at once upon a time in Shaolin, man. Like that's that too. That too. That's that's that a pretty. Too. It's it's fraught. This whole side of things, isn't it? Like Wu Tang are kind of not revered for that, but they're lifted up, and people don't criticize them for having done that. Even though RZA kind of did that. I'm pretty sure we we listened to Method Man say he didn't even know he was on that album or one of the group members. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure some of them weren't aware of it. Yeah, it was completely out of blue. For but for some there. reason, that album is is now revered. But when you get something like, I mean, Yassine's last album, you know, that's not people didn't criticize that. Uh, I was disappointed that I didn't get to hear it, of course. But I didn't hear anyone being like, "You shouldn't do this." But when it's weird, you know, that's why I say it's fraught. You know, Kanye doing the stem player was like. Everyone just kind of said, oh, okay, well, we're not going to buy that. So that's pretty silly, you know? <laughs> and with Luminary, I, my reaction is that's pretty dumb. <laughs> like, I, I think that's... I mean, bro, you can get it on free trial. So get it on free trial, spin the album a couple of times. Um, Some people are probably going to screen record it and just drop it on see, YouTube is, anyway. Is, so I, I don't this know, This is the thing that... that confuses look i understand there's probably money involved there's probably exclusivity involved what i don't like and what is the music industry's moved away from heavily is exclusives you know remember 2015 2014 you know uh like compton only came out on apple music and drake only came yeah. out on apple music. <coughs> life, life of pablo for a you week. know title yeah. exclusives and they just went away from that they're like yeah. look this is silly we're not going to do exclusives anymore so maybe i've got a bit of a hangover from that and i'm just like really like you're gonna make me go f- somewhere else i'm not gonna pay for it either I'm, I'm gonna pay even less for it on luminary than i'm paying for it on spotify because i have spotify premium so like that's a good, that's a good but you know shot. what i mean that's why it's confusing to me because i'm like well i'm not Oh god! You're not making me. I'm not paying for it, and you're making me go download a whole other app. Again, it's your prerogative, but it's it's going to be a bit of a palaver. It's going to be a bit annoying. I'm going to do it, of course, but um, yeah, man. Yeah, um, yeah. We'll both. I'm I'm sure we'll both give it a spin. Oh, how could we not? But you know, give our thoughts. Even just Madlib, you have to give it a spin. Yeah, Madlib. 
Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I can I can imagine just um, even musically, I can imagine just like uh, I mean, they, <laughs> I've I've said this before, like uh, you know, I feel like um, <clears throat> Freddie was the weak link in a um, bandana and uh, pinata. I'm more here for the instrumentals, if anything, and I just tolerate uh, Freddie. And then the instrumental versions came out, and I'm just like. Cheers, Mad Lib. Thank you very much. Cause, cause crime pays as an instrumental. Oh, bellissimo. Um, but yeah, uh, I can I can imagine if I if we if we get that kind of like Mad Lib level of just elite production and these two just just spitting on it. Honestly, bro, I'm not. I I feel like my my personal expectations are kind of just not even. I don't really have any. Like you know, give me some decent. Give me some. If I even get mid tier Mad Lib, I'm fine with that. Because um, mid tier Madlib is god tier for some for other people, and uh, you know I I don't even need the 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 we're not gonna get the big context of of the previous Black Star because of just the time we're in. Um, it doesn't. It, I mean, may, maybe it that that will need to be marinated on in years to come, but at this point in time, I'm kind of thinking about it ahead of time where. You know, it's not gonna have the it's not gonna have the weight of what's dropping now, uh, as opposed to uh, as opposed to what that is. It's not. I, I don't know if it's if they're gonna you know reach back in the way they did. Uh, maybe it'll just be you know just well, Mad Lib's timeless in some way. Um, but yeah, with that said, that uh, yeah, I, I just I just I just come in with it with the pretty much no expectations on it to be honest. Um, I'm looking forward to it. <clears throat> I'm looking forward to see what they say on it, especially. I feel like that's going to be just the the make or break for it, where it's just going to be, yeah, we know Madlib's going to produce some good heat. Uh, we're just going to, I just want to see what they do. Do they even keep the, you know, cipher nature of, of, of uh, Blackstar? Um, do they keep that essence of what they had previously? Because that's, that's what they were doing at the time. They were doing ciphers in the middle of Central Park. They ain't doing that shit now. <laughs> Y'all seen out the country, but uh, the US most of the time he's always traveling some fucking place. I swear they recorded this in like a hotel room in France or some shit, or Switzerland or something like that. I swear they did. So yeah, even with that said, like you know, I'm just I, that's, I have more questions than anything, but they're not questions of like if I get the wrong art, if I get there's no wrong answer to it. I just want to know, uh, you know, how it comes out in terms of a. Uh, in terms of the, comparing it to the first one, because obviously we're going to do that. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. good possible we're going to do that. No, I think well said. I um, I'm I'm curious. We'll see how it goes. <coughs> All right, Black Star Two. Well, it's not called that. It's called uh, No Fear of Time. Drop in on Luminary uh, Podcast. Go get your free trial because <laughs> because that's what most of us are going to do. <laughs> With that said, <laughs> shall finish there. And over to a light note, if you have anything, Ben. Ah, uh, not really this <laughs> week. Not not anything, really. Not anything you want to tell? No, keeping it close to my chest, man. <laughs> no, never let him know your next video. Yeah, did you see that? That was fucking hilarious. That was so funny. He's just like... Which one did you see? The Biden one. The, do you coming out the car? No, I saw Biden. Oh, oh that. Where okay, he goes okay. to shake old yeah. someone's hand, there's no one there, and he turns around. <laughs> Nobody's there. He's like... And then he just walks <laughs> off and, and never oh, let him know your next you need move. To, you need, you, uh, I'm not on TikTok, but I know those those. There's a thing. Uh, it's been a thing on TikTok, and I've seen like two of them, 
and those two in general are just absolutely top tier. Like it was so good. Like the first one was like this guy, he like he like uh, he, the cameras coming to him and he's like in the car and he's like gonna fist bump him and he doesn't he doesn't he gives him something instead. Then he try he's gonna act like he's getting out of the car, but instead he goes around the back. And he goes so he's, he's going outside and then he goes around the back, ties his shoe and then takes off the shoe and just leaves it there. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. It's just. Oh, it's just great. I did. I watched the second one. Like I, w- I watched it high, and I was just like, "Oh my gosh, it's crazy!" Like I can't actually guess what he's doing. <laughs> it's just, so I actually is superb. It's I actually awesome. had a bad experience with uh, marijuana during the week. So on Thursday, oh, yeah? I took it, and I take it in oil. So I don't take it. Uh, mm-hmm. So you know, you never know. You don't take it in no, a fun way. I take it in a very boring way. You never know when it's going to kick in. It could kick in eight hours from now, or it could kick in the next half hour. It's a fucking lottery, man. And I Ugh. took it at about ten thirty, and it kicked in at eleven thirty. And I had a bad trip. I got all paranoid. Uh, I was shaking. I was. I was. It was a really terrible four hours. And I was like, man, this is fucking annoying. Like it was a really. Yeah, it was rough, and I didn't enjoy it at all. I watched Billions. I watched the the season finale, and I'm kind of glad I watched it whilst I was high because I get to watch it again and actually understand what the fuck was going on because I'm watching it, (laughs) and it's one of those episodes that starts at the end and then explains all the way through how you got there. So I'm watching it. I'm like, wait, what? What did I miss? What the fuck's going on here? So I went back to watch the episode prior thinking I'd miss that, and I've got halfway through that. I'm like, hang on a sec. I'm pretty sure I've seen this one. So I started the old one. <laughs> it took me a good three hours to watch a 45-minute episode because I kept pausing it and being like, hang on a sec. Oh, What's going on here? I'm not understanding this at all. So, yeah, I had, a really, uh, I had an interesting experience. <laughs> I actually wrote this whole podcast on that day. So I had to read it again yesterday and be nice. like, did that make sense? I think it made sense, but... Yeah. Well, you're you're two for two, brother. You're two for yeah, two. Yeah, man. It was weird. I, have you ever had a bad yeah. trip? Have you ever had like a paranoid kind of? <laughs> yeah. Shit. Okay. How long? How long we got? Really? How long we got? I'll get. I'll, I'll try. I'll try for a couple of minutes. But like, um. Okay. So the two I the two I I always tell is um because <clears throat> I don't tell the third one. Um. The first one was when a couple of years ago. Years ago, actually. Um. And uh, I was with my boy, we bummed up, and uh, we, I, I will tell you the third one, because it happened, because it happened in kind of, um, in the same place, so we're in his kitchen, and the first one is when he turned out the light to the kitchen, and was, we were, like, walking out uh, to, to the living room or whatever, and I just fell to the floor, I just, like, I was just, I just stumbled, and I was just, like, <laughs> I just had to, like, touch, the, I, was, I was touching oh, earth. Shit. I feel, it's like it's like if I got my ankles broken by fucking uh fucking uh, Steph Curry, I just I just fell. My, my, my ankles just went. <laughs> I just I just sat on the floor and I was just like. Then you open, turn the light on. He's like, "You good?" I'm just like, "Yeah, it's just weird." As soon as you turn the light, oh, I just fell to the floor. I don't know why. But yeah, the second one is uh, according to him, I died for a minute, um, where I literally just flopped to the floor, dropped my phone, and I was just apparently dead for a, for a second. Um, and then the third one was uh, where <clears throat> it was the first time I hit a bong, and it was in this house party uh, with you know people I know, and I'm just like yeah. And then there's these other people, and they have like a bong. And I'm just like 
You know, like, you want to hit? I'm like, shit, I've never hit before. How do you do it? So teach me how to do it. Finger, da-da-da, thumb, take it off, da-da-da, half it in. Um, so I take two huge rips, just shotgun to the fucking head, bro, to the brain. It's like, yeah. right in the brain, bro. It's fucking 12 gauge in your, in your fucking head. And, uh, yeah, so I took those two, and I was just, like, on a level. I was immediately on the level, like, boom, already there, right, already waved. So I was just, I remember I was like staring at the fridge and then all I heard was like slowly just a hit, just a hiss of like TV static. And then I, then I flop like left and I'm going so slowly, like falling so slowly. One of the bomb guys genuinely catches me while I'm falling and just lows me down. And then like I come out of the black and I'm just like, and everyone's surrounding me like it's the fucking uh, Straight Outta Compton uh, album. And uh, I'm just like, you right, guys? How you doing? What, what's going on? It's like, bro, you just you nearly fell and hit your head. I'm just like, raw. Is that what happened? All right, well, get me up. <laughs> so, I just, so, so I come to pull me up, and I just sat. I just sat on the chair, and I was just like on a, I was just on a fucking level all night. I was just vibing to the tunes, just chilling. I was. They would just ask me, Are "You good?" I'm just like, "Yeah, man. I'm I'm cool, man. I'm cool." So. Yeah, um, th- those are the three I talk. Those are the three I talk how about. How do you? That how that, do you but... bounce back from that? How do you? Because my experience, the last time, the last um, time I d- I smoked weed was two thousand nine. <laughs> it was the night Michael Jackson passed away, and my weed was laced with PCP, and weird. Yeah, so I had the worst experience of my life. Oh right, well I had a fucking. So I um, didn't touch yeah. weed for you know what 13 12 right. years so how do you how do you come back after yeah. a bad experience well you you will it comes to a point where you do it long enough and you you know your level right so you know when you just feel yourself getting high you're just like all right let me let me chill it um so you know you don't always have to go it's, it's the same as anything it's the same as any drug or drinking mm. right it's the same where you just like you know your limits um you know when you get to get waved and you know when you just want to be on a good buzz um two i try and i try and note down what the weed strain was um but uh yeah i i try not if it has dog in it i try not to smoke it um but uh yeah that's kind of my rule of thumb um but yeah yeah you just you just don't man and also on your front i think it's more about just who the people and who gave it to you um so like if if you have a dealer that like laces your shit then yeah that's immediate dub like i'm not seeing like delete phone number not happening yeah, that was um bad, so man. yeah it's 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 also that as well you just you just have to have trust in your people and like you know if if they do it they if they have the natural shit then then they're cool uh with that that's cool um if they do the lace shit then yeah that, that, can't, that's, that obviously just you know throws a lot of spanner into the works and i don't do that personally um, but yeah, it's, um, you know, you just have to know the people you're with on that front. And, you know, if you, if you know, they do that kind of shit, then it's probably advisable not to go for it. Um, look at me talking like I'm, uh, fucking feel like I'm in Mike Tyson's hot box and just, uh, dropping, dropping gems, but gems, yeah. man. you just, it's the same with alcohol, bro. Just know, just, you know, know who you're around and, you know, know their sensibilities and, you know, not everybody's levels the same, isn't it? Not everybody's. Mm. fucking bunning like Snoop Dogg or Willie Nelson you know what I mean so here's what it is yeah I got the uh, got the medical grade shit so mine comes from proper people like proper labs and shit yeah but yeah I mean look with <laughs> yeah, it's kind of hard with oils if people have taken oils before you know it's hard to take oil sublingually because oil doesn't 
like mix with water so it kind of gets stuck you've kind of got to wait for it it's 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 a mess and it takes forever to kick in so i was thinking about vaping it but i want to fuck my lungs up eh like i've i've done yeah you're just putting battery i've done some damage to my lungs i worked with asbestos for like five years i smoked like i'm I'm just trying to like not antagonize them any further i I apologize to my lungs but yeah man that was just it was a bad experience we'll we'll do we'll do we'll we'll hear some brownies brownies look it was a bad experience but the thing is that i knew it was going to pass the thing that's i think scares people and it's certainly the thing that scares me that too when I get paranoid is this is never going to end. I'm always going to feel this way. I'm I'm not going to ever get out of yeah, this. Exactly. But because yeah, I'd had that yeah. experience with the PCP, uh, I was like, okay, I know that, you know, and I, I was like, oh, it's probably four hours max. This is going to go for like, cause it's weed, man. Yeah. I didn't take, fuck loads of it yeah, i didn't just it's, it's not the end of the world it's not the end of the world yeah. i actually slept i watched the champions league so i watched uh chelsea real which was a fucking banger of a game straight up banger I, it's the hope that kills you that's what man when i was watching i'm like now you're getting the tottenham experience bro, 10 minutes bro. you're getting the tottenham experience and then modric with that fucking pass, how good bro. was that completely completely killed the momentum bro completely then killed I, it just that one, just that one pass, bro, oh, killed beautiful. it. Beautiful. Then I watched uh, Villarreal, I think, first Bayern or something like that, and that was that was a good game, yeah. man. Yeah, but, yeah, man. It's the, that's the Tottenham yeah. mentality. Like, well, as soon as they scored those three goals, I'm like, oh yeah, here we go. This is the good stuff. I Build him up to break like, him shit, down, man. man. Ten years since 2012, it's happening again, Build bro. Him up I was to like, oh, break him the fuck down, and you guys oh, just got obliterated. It was a tough one. Would have been a tough one to watch. I, uh, one of the blokes I really like, Roy Jennings, on YouTube. I was watching him. He's a massive Chelsea fan, and he's just his heart was just splitting mm. in two. He was, he was traumatized. He was inconsolable, and I was like, yeah, man, that's football. Yeah, here's what it is. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we shall leave it there from the Fifth Fender Podcast Network. This has been Dingy Digits. Hope you've enjoyed this episode. I've been trying to tell you the Fifth Fender numbers. Hip hop adjacent Calvin Harris edition coming up next. Week. What are we doing next week? I'm going to so I'm going to Melbourne next week. So I might not be on uh, I yes, might not be are. on socials much this week. Uh, I am going to mm-hmm. Melbourne. Uh, so we need to work out what we're going to do because I'm not going to have heaps of time to prep. So maybe just something. Trust you missing the Grand Prix. No, no, yeah, I know. I know. You know. There's a lot of criticism about that, uh, actually. Uh, what, F1 in general? Yeah, I know. I'm part of it. We'll probably do um, something non-respective rise. Could be... Actually, I'm not even kidding. We could do Hip Hop Adjacent or a Contemporary Call or whatever. Um, either way. But yeah, we'll think so. We could discuss, we could discuss this tweet I'm about to send you. Let me just send you this oh, tweet in real time. This is real time, people. Real time. This is gonna. He's gonna Charlie's send me some gonna, bullshit. His head's gonna explode. He's on gonna send me some live, bullshit on camera. Yep, there it is. Doja Cat can really rap. Wait till he hear what he did. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but who tweeted it, Charlie? Who that, tweeted no. it? <laughs> Confirmed. Alchemist uh, confirms what I've been <laughs> saying for three years. Doji Cat can really rap. End of story. Thank you, Alchemist. That was not my camp. So, we hope you all have a good week. We should always try and do the same. That is not my camp. But until the next time, take it easy, ladies and gentlemen. 
All right, peace. Digging in Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show is edited by me, music for this show. It's P's and Mini Games, my bonus points. As the drill break is for bid to use. Socials with Infinement Hip Hop by Numbers, bonus points and drill breakers mean a full show notes as well as the names of projects reviewed wherever you're listening. This has been a Infinment Podcast or a production. Thanks for spending time with us. We shall see you next time. I'm digging in the digits.